going to read Genesis chapter 3, the whole chapter. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me some of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than all, every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. You shall, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. Now, lest he put up his hand and take also the tree of life and eat, eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden, to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Well, good morning to you all. I've got a warning this morning. I've got to finish at 5 to 12, so um, I'll do my best. Um, yes, so uh, let's look at one more reading, if you may, in Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. 
And verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground? You who have weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. You notice five I wills here from the from Satan himself. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Well, last week we looked at a perfect paradise, absolutely perfection, even a perfect marriage, can you believe it? Uh, when God's work was uh, finished on the sixth day, God saw that everything was very, very good, and he rested. There was nothing out of order as far as God was concerned. No pain, no arthritis, no suffering, no disease, no struggle for existence, uh, no mortgages, no disharmony, no debt, no taxes, no sin, and above all, no death. What a wonderful lifestyle. And they had it all, Adam and Eve. And they could eat freely of all the trees of the garden except one, one tree, prohibited. Now there was nothing out of order. But as we look around today, I don't have to remind you, or even ourselves, that the world is far different from that. You only turn the news on, the TV, or read a paper, and it's full of hatred, it's full of crime, war, pollution, uh, selfishness, corruption, evils of all kinds, stabbings, shootings, match-fixing, abortion, and I just read the, yesterday that there's approximately 125,000 little children aborted every day. That's something like 40 million children a year. What kind of world have we got? Then you have people in the name of their God, supposedly, in kidnapping 200 innocent little children and taking them off into the jungle. That's not the God of the Bible. That's the God of this world. Absolutely. And uh, so something's gone horribly wrong with God's perfect creation. When he saw after he made, everything was good. Everything was very good. Something's gone horribly wrong. Well, this morning we've read, uh, Luke's read to us in Genesis chapter 3, what's gone wrong. The serpent was, serpent was more cunning or crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He was a crafty person. So first let's consider the nature, na nature of the serpent who was the vehicle here of this temptation. The first interrogation and question in the Bible comes from the very lips of Satan himself. The first question was intended to cast doubts on the word of God. And remember last week we saw that uh, God had prohibited them from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, but Satan asked the question, and we're going to look at this a number of times in a different form. If God had really said, that's what he's saying, has God really said? Did God really say that? In effect, Satan says this, he says, is it true that God has restricted you from the delights of this place? You know, he wants to give Eve all the pleasures he can. This is not like the one who is truly good and kind to you, Eve. There must be a mistake. And he insinuated doubt as 
to Eve's understanding of God's perfect will. In the day that you eat, you will die. And whether he's appearing here, while well, he appears in many forms as an angel of light. But Paul writing to the Corinthians says this in 2 Corinthians 11, 3. But I fear, as he writes to the church, he said, I'm afraid of you. Lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. And Paul's afraid for this church because he can see the devil working in this church. You see, ever since Satan deceived Eve, false teachers have followed his pattern, portraying truth as error and offering error as truth. He's at work. And so here you have the first denial of divine revelation and divine inspiration. And Satan has continued to this very day, and he will continue until God deals the final death blow to him. And so here among the beasts of the field that Adam named was one. Well, all those animals Adam named. But there is one whose color was bright and beautiful. You better look at, need to look at Ezekiel 28 for that, and verses 12 to 15. His color was bright and beautiful, whose movements were smooth and graceful. He was an attractive animal who was more clever and cunning than any of the other animals. And, uh, you know, a boa constrictor, we used to have many of them in South America, they're the most colorful, delightful animal you'd want to see. Beautiful colors. Whether it was one of those or not, I don't know. In Naples, Florida, USA, where our son Stephen is the senior pastor of Grace Bible Church, it's well known for its snakes because just north of, uh, uh, sorry, just south of Naples is what they call the Everglades, and it's all around there. And uh, I've seen photos of snakes with, a, with an alligator halfway down their throat, a whole alligator. You know, and alligators are vicious, vicious animals. Uh, I, I was watching them, and some of the Latinos there were trying to catch them about this time last year. And I was standing on the bank watching these uh, Latinos, South Americans, trying to catch alligators with a big hunk of meat and a line. And, you know, uh, they're smart too. The old alligators would take the meat, and they'd chomp on it and chomp on it, and when they got the net right to the bank, they would just snap the line with their teeth, and the way they'd go with the meat. They're smart animals, but snakes in the Everglades can swallow an alligator. And uh, in Catherine, Northern Australia, just last week, you may have seen it in the news, a photo of a snake crushing and swallowing a kangaroo. Those watching said in less than an hour, there was nothing left of poor Roo. He had disappeared. They're cunning, they're crafty. In Paraguay, some of the largest snakes live. And Bev and I have actually seen one about from here to probably the back wall, called a Maboy Jaguar. And it's an amazing snake. Rather than opening its throat like that, it opens like that, its jaws, and then like that. And it can swallow a whole pig, no problem at all. And uh, we've seen them. And they've got a head, something like we call it uh, a fox terrier, different kind of head to the other snakes. But they're huge, they're massive and dangerous, and they just curl themselves around anything, even a cow. And we've I've actually seen a cow actually dead, that a snake did that too, and just crushed it to death. <clears throat> I've even had a, a shower with a small one, <laughs> a deadly coral snake, unbeknown to me, while I took a shower. 
And it's only by the grace of God that I wasn't bitten because we were quite away from the hospital. But here in her innocence, Eve was razzle-dazzled by this subtle, attractive, deceptive creature with the capacity of a servant and to speak a human language. And it's a remarkable ability to even deceive her. You know, this is the first time Eve had probably come across anything that could speak her language. This is amazing. This is dazzling. This is out of this world. And this thing is speaking her language. In 1 Timothy 2.13, it says this, that he, uh, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. The whole human race here fell into depravity and judgment when Eve stepped out from under the protection and the leadership of her husband and began to suffer. The world has suffered ever since. Mark Twain wrote this. He said, we may not pay attention uh, to Satan's reverence, uh, because that would be indiscreet, but we can at least respect very highly his talents. And that is so true. Although we don't understand much about his origin, we know that Satan is real. He's mentioned seven times in the Old Testament, 19 times in the New Testament, 15 times by the Lord Jesus, and every writer of the New Testament mentions the devil. And there are some 22 names and titles given to this perverted ex-prince, of paradise. There are probably more if you go through scripture. So let's look at them very, very quickly. Uh, Satan is called the adversary. Adversary 52 times in scripture. The slanderer 35 times. He makes a good job at that. Prince of power of the air, the god of this age, the king of death, the prince of this world, the rule of darkness, the Levithian, Lucifer, dragon, deceiver, Apollyon, destroyer, Beelzebub, uh, Belial, which means ruthless and vile. He's called the wicked one. He's called the tempter, the accuser of the brethren. We certainly see that, don't we? Angel of light, liar, murderer, enemy, and a roaring lion. And there's possibly one or two others I've missed that you can find in Scripture. But here in Genesis 3, Satan is compared to a serpent. And uh, that's an image that's repeated in Scripture. And so, dear people, Satan's no pushover. He's no pushover. Uh, he's he's to be feared, and the scripture tells us not to give him a foothold into our lives in Ephesians 4.27. Don't let him get at you. So let's look at Satan's strategy uh, in tempting Eve. In essence, Satan says here to Eve, I can give you something that you need and something that you want. You really need this. You don't, have to, you, you don't have it now, you can have it right now rather, and you can enjoy it right now. And the best of all, there won't be any painful consequences. What an opportunity, but what a lie. Hmm? And then he here he disguises himself. You see, Satan isn't the, uh, uh, the originator. He's a clever, clever imitator. And he comes to us disguised in all kinds of shapes and forms. Uh, if necessary, he can even masquerade, masquerade around as an angel of light. Hey, this is an angel from God. This must be a message from God. And we can be deceived if we're not on our knees and in the Word of God very, very quickly. And you see so many people being deceived today by him. In the garden, Satan used the body of a serpent 
one of God's creatures that God had what? Pronounced as good, very good. Eve uh, didn't appear to be disturbed by the servant's presence or speech. She saw nothing, nothing threatening. You know, after all, he's speaking my language. He's communicating with me. There must be something good in this. He's not speaking a foreign language. He's not speaking in tongues. He's speaking my very own language. And you know, Satan still works today as the great impersonator and the great uh, imitator. He's still at work today. And he has produced counterfeit righteousness apart from the righteousness that comes only through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan has false ministers, false preachers, uh, preaching a false gospel. Wow, you say, does the Bible say that? Yes, it does. In Galatians 1, chapters, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 to 10, you can read that. Uh, he has false brothers and sisters who oppose the true gospel in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six. You'd think they were Christians, but they, deep underneath they opposed the true gospel of Christ. He has gathered together counterfeit Christians into false churches where deep secrets are taught. And they really believe it's God. But Revelation 2, 9 and verse 24, God calls them the synagogue of Satan. There it were. And question here, number three, Satan questions God's word. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, this clearly says that Satan targeted here Eve's mind and that his weapon was deception, trickery, crafty, and fraud. And we see a lot of fraud today, don't we, in our society. And by questioning what God had said, Satan raises doubts in Eve's mind concerning the truthfulness of God's word and, um, and the goodness of God's heart. Is God really good? Is God really truthful? Can you really not rely on the Bible? You know, the Bible's got, as one man said to me many years ago, he said, oh, he said, I, he said uh, why go to South, Arabia, uh, South America, Robbie? He said, you're wasting your time. He said, the Bible's full of myths, full of myths. You can't really rely on it. And that's how Satan comes to us, doesn't he? Full of deception. The subtle question was, do you really mean that you can't eat from every tree? <laughs> do you really mean it? If God really loved you, Eve, he would be much more generous. And by the way, he's holding out on you. Ever been told that, young people? You know? Someone wants to attack you, someone wants you to fall into sin. Oh, you're missing out on so much. You know, if you did this and this and this, look what you could get. Satan's right there, isn't he? For their own good, they were prohibited to eat from the forbidden tree in the middle of the garden. And here Eve's reply showed that she was following Satan's example, altering the very word of God, altering the truth of God. If you compare chapter 3 and verses 2 and 3 with chapter 2 and 16 and 17, uh, when you get home, you'll see that she omitted the word freely. She... She also added, nor shall you touch it. God didn't say that. And failed to say that God had commanded them to obey. Eve even copied the devil further when she spoke of God as Elohim and not as Jehovah, Lord God. So little by little she's been broken down. 
The covenant-keeping God wasn't in her mind. And finally she said, lest you die. God didn't say that. He said, you will surely die. And she said, well, he said, lest you die. There's a possibility. You could die, you may die, perhaps you'll die. You're not too sure. And the devil's got everybody hoodwinked today, you know. They're going to live forever. <laughs> and everybody's going to heaven. Well, she took God, she took from God's word, she added to God's word, she changed God's word, which was a serious offense. And we're told in Revelation not to add to it or take away from it, aren't we? And that's exactly what she did. And then, uh, D, she doubted God's goodness and God's truthfulness. So she's got it, we could spend a lot of time on that, but we must really rip through this this morning. <clears throat> Then fourthly, Satan denied God's word. You shall not surely die, the NIV says, in a direct contradiction to what God had said. You will surely die. So he's contradicting here the very word of God. And Eve should have reminded herself of God's word and believe it. You know, resist the devil, the scripture says, and what? He will what? Flee from you. That's right. But as long as you're playing around where you shouldn't be, you'll get burned. You'll get nipped. You'll get defeated. But the scripture says, resist him and he will flee from you. It's when we linger in the places of temptation that we get into all kinds of trouble and ask ourselves, well, there's not really much wrong with this, is there? There can't be really much wrong in it, can it? Yeah, that's when we get into trouble. And uh, it's all, con and Satan here yeah, substitutes his own lie. He says, you see, he said, you will be like God. You know, if you do this, you're going to be like God. Amazing. Is a promise that would get anybody's attention. Be like God. Wow, man, this is something. Hmm? Glory to man in the highest. That's what he's saying. If you do this thing. And that has always been the rallying cry of those who reject biblical truth. And uh, Romans tells us, Romans 1.25, it says this. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped, and, and this is where we're at, dear people in the world today, they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And boy, that's so true. We could spend a whole message on that easy this morning. It's all about creature worship. It's all about saving the animals. They don't care about 40 million abortions a year, but if a little rat dies... Or a little pussycat dies. <laughs> I just read the other day a news, a, a, an article in the news that someone went to jail for three years because they killed, uh, was it three kittens or five kittens? But you can go and have abortion and nobody blinks an eyelid. You can kill an animal or be cruel to an animal and you're in jail. You see, we're worshipping today the creature rather than the creator. And that's a tremendous message. I'd love to hear someone preach it sometime. John 8, 44, Jesus said of Satan, he's a liar and what? The father of it. And what is a lie? Well, let's rule our civilization since the fall of mankind. It's the belief that man and women can be their own God, their own master, and live for creation and not the creator. And we're there today. And by the way, you don't suffer any consequences. And that's so true. 
I remember we lived in Lawrence Street and right on the boundary of our park there was a beautiful tree and the council had to cut it down to put do some work. And I just happened to go out there one day and see all these people. Well, I don't know all of them, but there were probably about eight or ten people there. And there was some crying. I could, and so I went, what's the matter? Oh, the council's going to cut this tree down. They've got it down. I said, what? And you're upset. So I, 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 I soon, I had to leave the place quicker than I went because I said, well, I suppose if someone had abortion, they wouldn't cry, would they? Well, I found I had to get out of the place quicker than I went. <laughs> but that's where we're at, dear people, as a society. You know, it's a belief, uh, belief that uh, we won't suffer the consequences. And believing this kind of stuff, they refuse to submit to God's truth. They prefer to believe Satan's lie. They follow his diabolical plan in their own destructive ways. And they don't realize that Satan is their master. He's got them in their grip. And the lake of fire is their destiny. You see, Satan's got them so wrapped up and so twisted in their minds by denying the truth and exchanging the truth of God for a lie that they believe they're all going to heaven. I was at a funeral just a few days ago and this man was going to heaven. And all his family said they're going to meet him up there. But he didn't live a Christian life. Had nothing to do with God. You see, once we start to question God's word, we pre we're prepared to deny his word and believe Satan's lies. And that's where society is at today. Then, of course, it's just a step, a short step to believing Satan's promises and disobeying his commands and disobeying the word of God. Well, it can't really mean that. So many people say to me, oh, it can't really mean that. It doesn't mean that, does it? Yes, it does. The day you eat of it, Eve, you will die. And, and we need to get back to the scriptures. What does the Bible say? You see, when the Lord Jesus was tempted, he didn't say to Satan, well, hang on, Satan, I've got some new ideas for you. We're not in the age of the Garden of Eden. We've, we've really progressed since then. Now, what did Satan say? Hey, Satan, it is written. The word of God is written, past tense. Satan tempted him three times, and three times Jesus said, Satan, it is written, it is written, it is written. You know, if you are the Son of God, of course he was the Son of God. Fall down and worship me. Satan, it's written. It's written. And of course, that's what they accused him on at Calvary because he made himself the Son of God. No, he didn't make himself the Son of God. He was the Son of God. And that's why they took him to Calvary. The tragedy. Humans are so constructed that they believe something. Uh, if they don't believe something, they'll believe in anything. And uh, they certainly don't want the truth today. And then quickly look at the disobedience here. The Bible says Eve was deceived, but Adam sinned willfully with his eyes wide, wide open. And that's why Paul points to Adam and not Eve as one who brought sin and death into the human race. Romans 5, 12 to 21. When Adam sinned, we all sinned with him and through him suffered the consequences of sin and death. That's why we all die. That's why we see cemeteries full of people. In Romans 5, 12 and we read these words, and therefore just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because what? All have sinned in Adam. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Verse 17, for by one man's offense, death reigned through one. Verse 19, for by one man, that's Adam's disobedience, many were made, what, sinners. 1 Corinthians 15 says this in verse 22, for as in Adam, what, all die, all die. You see, God sees the first Adam as the head of the human race of the old creation. And throughout history, the church has commonly what? Blamed Eve. Right? It's old Eve. When anything goes wrong in the household, it's old Eve again. When the spuds are burnt, it's old Eve who's burnt the spuds. When the roast is, oh, old Eve burnt the roast. Old Eve. Old Eve. You see, most people believe that Adam was away toiling and working, and that's what I was taught for many years and believed it and also preached it. Adam was away in the field, toiling away, working away, and the serpent came in his crafty way, deceived his wife. Well, I don't find that in Scripture. The Lord will forgive me for ever preaching it. The question here I want to ask you, and we'll linger a little on this, what if Adam was there with Eve? for the entire conversation? What if Adam was standing there with Eve and heard the devil's deceptive spin on the truth, twisting the truth? What if Adam's disobedience began not in eating of the fruit, but in his refusal to speak up and challenge his wife and rebuke Satan at that particular time, or resist the devil? You see, although Eve was deceived, was she to blame? Now, no tomatoes or rotten eggs, please. You see, the church down through generations has perhaps uh, allowed men to blame Eve. But if Adam was there, should he face up to his failure? If Adam was there silent, it sheds new light to me on the problem, which is a problem of us men. His silence became a sin with far-reaching consequences and implications if Adam was there. Dr. Larry, Larry Crabb, some of you probably read his book, you can buy it, get on the internet, called The Silence of Adam. And very quickly, The Silence of Adam. And here he gives five, four reasons why Adam was present at the temptation. Adam was silent first. He says, fits the immediate context of Genesis 1 and 2. He was passive at least three times before he ate the forbidden fruit. And that's a message in itself. Adam was there, Genesis 3, 6 says, she took the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. Wow, with her. That's pretty clear. Yeah, I've always been told he was away on the field working and she did it all alone. She was deceived and deceived her husband. Well, that's not what Scripture says. He was with her. And there's two little Hebrew words there. With, I am in Hebrew. Her, H-A. And the Hebrew word, I don't know how to pronounce it, but imha, it means a physical bond. It can mean an embrace. It can also mean a sexual relationship of one flesh. Remember, we looked at that last week. Adam was right there with her. Genesis 3, 1, 7 suggests that Eve turned immediately to Adam and gave him the fruit and he ate. And number four, the fourth one, other men in Genesis lived out the age-old problem of Adam's silence. 
suggesting his silence became a pattern of his male descendants. Silent in the home, silent in the community, silent in the church. Well, I leave that for you. And you need to read Romans 12, 5, 12 to 14, and verses uh, 14, 17, and 19. Eve sinned, I believe, because she was attractive to the forbidden fruit. She was walking by sight and not by, not by, uh, by faith, according to God's word. And if you look at Genesis 3 and 1 John 2, 16, 3, 6, there's a parallel there. There's parallels, right? And I put them there for you. Hmm? Oh, the tree was good for food. That was the lust of the flesh, you know. <laughs> this gets the old flesh buds going. Wow, me. You know, oh, it was pleasant to the eye. You know, he, he, she's got something new, so I'm going to have one too. She's got a new carpet, so I'm going to have one too. She's got a new car, I'm going to have one too. The lust of the eye. Hmm? Then desirable for gaining wisdom. Well, we all want wisdom. Well, that was the pride of life. And what does God say about that? He says, these things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the lust, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of, of the world. And the world's passing away, and it's lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever and ever and ever. Why did Adam sin willfully? when he knew it was contrary to God's will. Why did he do it? Did he see a change in Eve and realize that his wife wasn't in the same sphere of life as she should have been? Something's different, something's happened to my wife. Did he have to, to make a choice hmm? between obeying God and staying with the one he loved, his wife? Well, I'm glad the Bible doesn't tell us. Hmm? It neither raises nor answers these questions, and I guess it's not wise to speculate. Adam made a choice here, but it was the wrong choice. And humanity has suffered ever since. Well, knowledge. Let's look at that. Satan promised they would be like God, and they would know good and evil, and that's surely what happened. Adam and Eve lost their innocence right there. And in Scripture, they realized they were naked and they tried to get some fig leaves to cover up and hide uh, their body. Uh, and nakedness, if you look at Scripture, nakedness is always associated, Exodus 32, 25, it's associated with idolatry. In Genesis 9, 20 and Habakkuk 2, 15, it's associated nakedness with drunkenness. In Luke 26, 39, it's associated with demonism. So there you have nakedness is associated with idolatry, drunkenness, and demonism. Nakedness is a mark of a, de a decaying society on the threshold of destruction. Pornographic, porn pornography is a big business today in today's world and society. They just live for that kind of rubbish. They feed their minds on that kind of thing. You see it on TV, you see it in newspapers and magazines, and uh, you know, you've got to buy the latest whatever, weekly news or whatever it is, Woman's Weekly. Why? Because it's got a half-naked woman on the front. And people just flock to buy that kind of thing. 
And then the shame, realizing their nakedness for the first time, what did they do? They quickly got some fig leaves and covered their bodies. And sin ought to shame us, shouldn't it? Hmm? It ought to shame ourselves. And when people are no longer ashamed of their sin, their character is just about gone. They've got nothing left. And it's just one step after another. And you just read Jeremiah 3, 3, Jeremiah 6, 15, Jeremiah 8, 12, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Then there's fear. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. Wow. And Adam and his wife hid themselves. What? From the presence of God among the trees in the garden. They're hiding themselves. Here's the Lord God, the creator of the universe, comes down to have fellowship in the evening and the cool of the day with his two people that he's made. And now they're hiding. Normally they would be looking for God to come and have fellowship with. But they're hiding. It's like Achan when he when he sinned, he said, I've hid, I've taken and I've hid. Zacchaeus, when he knew Jesus was coming, he hid up at sycamore tree. <laughs> you see, the scripture says we can't hide from God. And uh, Philip read that verse to us this morning. We, everything's naked and open before Almighty God. There's no hiding from God. But they thought they could hide from God. And Adam admitted, he, I was afraid. I was afraid. Indeed he was. Sin makes us afraid, doesn't it? Hmm? Makes us afraid. Well, dear people, we'll have to leave it there. I'm sorry about that. But um, you see, when we do things wrong, we want to hide it from people. We want to hide it from God. And Billy Sunday said this, the great evangelist, said that sinners can't find God for the same reason criminals can't find a policeman. Why? Criminals, robbers and thieves aren't looking for police officers to tell, tell them what they've done. No, they're hiding and it's the same reason when you and I do things wrong. We want to hide from God. We want to hide from other people and keep our sin to ourselves. Okay. I'm thankful that Jesus said, the Son of Man has come, what for? To seek and to save that which is lost. Thank God Jesus came to look for you and to look for me. And dear people, he's still seeking and he will never stop seeking for you and me. He came to seek us because we were lost. And if we haven't got Christ in our lives, we're absolutely, totally lost. And we're deceived like Adam and Eve, deceived by Satan, and our pathway is to the pathway of destruction and eternal lostness, hell itself. If we don't come to the one who came to seek and to save, that which is lost. Let's pray. Our loving God, our Father, we just come and we ask your blessing on us. Father, we pray that as we meditate on your word, as we meditate on the scriptures, Lord, as the scriptures bring us life, we pray that you'll help us to be not disobedient like Eve was, not deceived like Eve was, but help us to be obedient, we pray, and to wholly follow you. Lord, we just pray for any who aren't well today. Uh, we just lovingly commit them to you wherever they are. We think of Sam with his uh, problem with his foot. We just ask your healing power upon him, your blessing upon him today as we commit ourselves to you in our Saviour's worthy name. Amen. Amen.